Welcome to the Sprint to Profit podcast with Kirsty and Isaac. If you are an Amazon seller looking to grow your business with some of the latest tactics and strategies, along with some great guidance for your overall business, then you are in the right place. So pay attention and if needed, take notes. Let's get started. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Sprint to Profit podcast for Amazon sellers. This podcast was designed by and for Amazon sellers to give you the latest strategies that are working right now to grow your Amazon business profitably, as well as how to plan for your future growth and lifestyle. So if you're currently selling on Amazon or looking to get started and selling private label products on Amazon, then you're in the right place to learn more about the ins and outs of the processes and strategies it takes to develop a long-term sustainable business that brings you income month after month, year after year. Now, today we wanted to talk about planning and preparing for quarter four of 2020 to make sure that you guys are well prepared to take advantage of one of the biggest selling periods of the year. So that's right. Now, we're coming up to that most important time of the year for many physical product sellers, which is Q4, quarter four, however you want to call it, essentially Christmas sales, right? And this year, due to COVID, it really presents interesting opportunities, but also some challenges as well. But if you can overcome those challenges, it'll essentially mean that you are going to be ahead of many sellers and we're going to go through that today as well. As always, we want to make sure that you guys are prepared, prepare for the upside and ride the wave of potential downside so that you can beat the competition and make the most money at this time of year. So for me, I think the first thing to know and get excited about is the fact that e-commerce has exploded over the last six to eight months, right? Due to the impact of COVID and people's shopping habits. So I've got some stats here just to geek out on. I love getting stats from my old marketing days, right? Just makes me feel nice and comfy and warm for some reason. <laughs> Something I can hang my hat on. Um, but a recent report, the Future of Retail report, essentially said that 60%, there's been a 60% increase in online consumer acquisition from quarter one to quarter two. Basically what that means is 60% more people shopping online, Right. Then 62% year-on-year increase in mobile acquisition for online platforms. So essentially means a lot more people are using their mobile phone. Obviously, it's probably not when they were out and about because they were probably sat at home watching Netflix at the same time while they were bored trying to do stuff. But mobile seems to be a core area that people are shopping on. So we've got to think about these things when we're actually doing our listings and things like that on Amazon as well, which we'll come on to in a bit. And 82% of consumers expect to feel safer in shops within six months. So that kind of means that they don't feel safe right now, right? So that's quite a lot of consumers that are like, well, basically, I'm not, I don't really feel safe going to the shops at the moment. And actually, I went shopping last week and it was a right pain in the bum, to be honest. I don't know if anybody's been shopping recently, but there's, you know, there's queues outside. Obviously, you know, we've got to wear masks. I mean, I'm in Canada. Isaac, I don't, um, you probably have never been shopping for a long time anyway. <laughs> <laughs> grocery shopping not uh, not shopping shopping no. not shopping shopping but yeah i mean this was literally like what the end of summer so you won't think it was like a big kind of shopping time but yeah queues all the way out you know through shopping malls and stuff like that so can you imagine what the christmas rush would be if you're actually going to shop in store it would be a nightmare so that's something to think about just think about what would be your own shopping habits and how that's going to affect you over this period and then from Amazon's quarterly report, from their Q2 report, in quarter two, they grew by 40% year on year, reporting sales of nearly $89 billion. Now, 40% on that you know, size of business is massive, right? 40% on a $500,000 business is, is good, right? 
But on that size of business is really, you know, it, it's mind boggling. Yeah. Also, go on. You want to say something? I was going to say, yeah, it, it makes makes Jeff Bezos go from the richest person in the world to like double, doubly rich. You know, it's like yeah. there's nobody even <laughs> close to him now. <laughs> Can you imagine? Like you've spent all that time like growing that business and then like within one quarter, it's it's gone up 40%. Yeah. And you haven't done anything. <laughs> Literally, yeah. you haven't done anything to do that. Crazy. Um, but obviously that's got consequences, which is going to affect some of the sellers in the future as well, right? Mm-hmm. Also, third-party sales grew by 52% year on year in quarter two, which basically means that sellers like us that are essentially – growing Amazon's business. So if any of you are out there going, oh, but Amazon is, you know, they're taking on my market share. Well, actually they're not. Like we are outpacing Amazon in terms of their own products. So just bear that in mind. And also they're reporting that in Q3, which we're in right now, they expect between 24 and 33% increase. So you can imagine what Q4 is going to be expected to do, right? We know that Amazon's preparing for this right now as well. Also, 65% of Amazon sales are done on mobile devices. So we know that, you know, shoppers are increasingly shopping online and e-commerce anyway, using their mobile device. And and that's really impacting Amazon as well. So we've got to be thinking about that in terms of like how people are actually shopping with their mobile device and what you need to do to your listings. So that's great. We've got some awesome stats, but what does it actually mean in terms of impact for us as Amazon sellers in quarter four? Well, For me, I would expect the volume definitely to be higher than the previous years. So again, like I said, think about your own shopping habits. Also think about what your category experienced in April, May, probably June. I know my category just absolutely exploded. I didn't really have to do anything. And my sales were up like 100, 200% in some cases. So if that happened then, can you imagine what the shopping experience is going to be like over Christmas? So bear that in mind when you're thinking about planning. Yeah, I would also I expect. Gonna say, I was going to say because you know how they always have like those Black Friday rush to the door, everybody smash each other, you know, fights and all that stuff. That's probably not going to be happening this year. No. I, mean, I would think that they would have a lot of restrictions in place for stuff like that. So, imagine now people just going instead of doing that, they're just going to look directly online to see how they can shop. Yeah. So as like you said, it's going to be a virtual smash to get in, and I'm sure Amazon. Are preparing for that as well. I'm sure you know you know what it's like. Essentially, they'll probably come up with some. Hey, join this Black Friday a month before, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to try and prepare for it, because from their perspective, they need to then manage all of that as well. So I would expect that they would want to make sure that that kind of rush, if you like, is elongated. So it helps them um, do it in the future, basically prepare for it and be able to send it out to customers. Mm -hmm. So I would expect from a shopper perspective, volume to be higher, but also the season, the season to start earlier, you're going to have to prepare in advance. I don't think there's going to be any more last minute shopping on Christmas Eve around the stores, right? It's, it'd be a nightmare. So people are going to have to be prepared, get prepared in advance. And Amazon's also going to have to be prepared as well which is great news for us. It means the season's probably going to last longer and it's probably going to be higher. And like I said, make sure your listings are optimized for mobile. And we're going to go through that in a bit more detail on how you can actually do that as well. Yeah. And you know, all that's great because, you know, obviously the more money that comes into Amazon, more shoppers there, that's just going to mean a bigger shopping season for us as FBA, FBA or even FBM, you know, private label sellers. But uh, you kind of alluded this to alluded to this earlier. We do kind of have a problem. And that is that Amazon recently announced some inventory restrictions because they're going to have 
all this product coming in there, you know, all this increased inventory due to the increased demand, but they're trying to prioritize the top selling products and deprioritize how much space all the rest of the products in their warehouses take up. So essentially, if you're planning on launching any new products anytime soon, uh, as far as we know, as everybody that's got a new product up, it's I got a 200 unit limit ASIN. So you can only send in 200 units into Amazon. And that kind of has issues when you're trying to launch new products. Um, but essentially, you know, there are ways around that. And we'll talk about that in just a second. Uh, but I, ideally, you, you know, you're going to want to get that increase. So we'll talk about that as well. As for, as for like existing products, for example, the inventory res, uh, restrictions are actually based on historic data. So um, it looks a lot at like the history of like the last three, uh, 30 days and three months kind of thing. So like if your products aren't selling well, like say they're seasonal or you do really well over quarter four and it's been nine months since they've sold really well. Well, you're getting your, uh, you know, your inventory restrictions reduced a lot. So you're going to have to wait until it actually starts selling in order to send more product in. And I, I, understandably, there might be some delay in that, you know, raise of the limit. So that way you might not be able to get essentially all the product you want into FBA by the, even the end of the season or the end of quarter four. So you do have to find solutions. And uh, one of the best things that we figured out is, you know, we, we kind of are splitting it out. So we're doing a third party uh, logistics warehousing and FBA as our, you know, split. So we will FBM some product from the third-party warehouses and we'll also send in as much FBA inventory as they'll allow and then try to sell it as fast as we can. So that way those inventory, uh, you know, those, those limits get raised, essentially, ideally, hopefully before quarter four really explodes because that's when we really want to stock up on FBA to get that prime shipping out and get the best, you know, uh, most sales and the best conversion and all that stuff. One thing we see that doesn't really work here is, you know, don't use hacks. You know, Amazon finds loopholes that quickly, you know, get shut down. So, for example, if you're trying to, like, you know, create a bunch of shipping plans and, you know, uh, essentially tell Amazon that you're only selling, sending in 100 units, you know, 50 times so that you can send in 5,000 units, well, Amazon's going to figure that out. Um, you think you're outsmarting them. They're, they're not as dumb as you think. I promise you that. Um, you know, you can get in real trouble. You can get your account shut down. You can get your FBA ability, you know, you know, blocked. Um, you might be able to sell FBM, but they might never let you sell FBA. And what's the point of that? Like, you're just going to cause more issues than, uh, than, than cause positive solutions. So use it as a balancing act. You got to have some FBA, obviously, as much as you can. And then you have to have FBM there to kind of back it up. And, you know, if you're trying to do like promotional units, you know, you can always do the FBM version of the product. So if you guys aren't familiar, you just create your FBM, your, your FBA listing exists. And then all you do is create a condition, a new condition, and you can do that directly from your inventory. You just go to your inventory and click edit. And then it'll say, add new condition, add the FBM con uh, condition for that. So that way, you know, you can, you can sell that from a third party warehouse, or if you have to, you can sell it from your home. That's not the ideal situation. We don't want you guys, you know, manually fulfilling stuff because that will take a lot of time and effort. Um, so ideally you can get a third party warehouse to do this. And basically you just use this as a balancing act. If you've got promotional units, as I was about to say, you can, you know, raise the price on the FBA a dollar over the FBM. So that way the FBM, uh, version gets bought during a launch pro, you know, from the FBM. And then if you want to switch it back to the FBA to get sales, to raise your limit, you can do that. And you can kind of go back and forth to kind of feed the inventory the way you want it to be fed. Um, so that way, if your, your FBA inventory is getting low, and you're just waiting for the restriction or the, the, the inventory 
uh, limit to get raised, then you have to switch it back to the FBM as being the lower priced item. And you, know, you kind of just flip flop those back and forth. Uh, but the idea here is that you're going to pretty much start this now. You want to start ranking now so that Amazon will increase your ASIN limits before the rush, before you know November 21st or whatever it is that starts Black Friday, Cyber Monday, the Christmas period. That's that's too late. Like basically, if you can win your inventory um, battle now, will win the you will win the the quarter four battle with your competitors. And we we've seen we've seen slews of different problems at different times of the year. This is one of the more uh, technically trick uh, technically tricky things that we've had to see because it's kind of like overly managing inventory where normally you kind of just look to see when it's getting low and then you send more in and you just got to think about like lead times of like shipping and, you know, uh, manufacturing and all that stuff and how long it might take Amazon to check in. Now it's like, how much can Amazon even allow me to send in? And then how much can I like actually get from my factories? Where should I ship it otherwise? So it's, it's a little bit more logistics, but it's not that much harder. You're just adding one extra element and essentially you're just looking at this more where you should have been probably looking at it more closely before. So that way you didn't run out of stock. Now you're looking at it more closely. So that way you know exactly how much like inventory you have in one place versus the other. Yeah. And I think, you know, you said, you know, whoever wins the inventory game is going to win in this period because the last thing you want to do is run out of stock. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I know that, you know, I've got some big competitors. As soon as one of them runs out of stock, I get a bunch more sales, obviously. And vice versa. So if you're if you're really on top of this, I will guarantee you that many sellers won't be. And so they will run out of stock and therefore you're going to increase on top of that, right? So um, balancing that really well. And what we like to say is, you know, back your winners, build a plan and back your winners. Because depending on how many SKUs you've got, if you've got like 200 SKUs, chances are, you know, it's probably not a good idea to try and balance all that with 200 SKUs unless you've got a massive team of people. If you've got two SKUs, then it's a lot easier to manage. But basically what you want to do is to think about, well, which ones, which one of my products are going to win? Even if you've got like, say, 15 products, I will guarantee you there's probably like three or four that go off at this in this period. So maybe just think of, think to yourselves, which, which are the ones that I'm going to back? Which are the ones that I'm going to put my cash flow into? And which are the ones that I'm going to keep in stock, right? So one thing that I'm looking at in my, in terms of my uh, products is I'm thinking, okay, which ones right now sell well and have the least inventory restrictions? Because the ones that sell the best right now are probably the ones that you can send in more stock on, right? So that's probably a winner that you want to back. Um, they've probably got the best chance and opportunity at Christmas. So I'm just making sure that I've got um, enough stock in for those ones and really understanding what my lead times are going to be. So for instance, I've just found out, so a lot of my products use PVC. There is actually now apparently a 16-week lead time on PVC. So I'm like, oh, (laughs) (laughs) okay. So I've got to even think even more about, well, which of my products are using that? Which ones do I want to back? And therefore, make sure that I've got enough stock of those in. So it's little, you know, it's not really a little thing, but it's a thing that's, that will kind of pop out of, the, out of the blue, if you like. So make sure that you're in touch with your factories or your sourcing agents, depending on who you're working with, to understand, is there a national shortage of something, sorry, national, international shortage of something, and therefore your lead times might be impacted as well. So don't leave it too late. That's why we're talking about this right now. 
as we said, you know, investigate a 3PL warehouse and those direct selling capabilities because this has got to be part of your plan. All these things are going to impact a lead time. So make sure that you, um, you really understand what those lead times are. And then you want to build a forecast of those winners, right? So look at your previous sales. Like we said, if you've sold um, these products in the previous year, then have a look at, you know, what kind of uplift did you get in that Christmas? Then look at, you know, the in terms of the biggest impact in COVID, the probably, I would say, April to May period. And what kind of uplift did you get there? And then think about, well, this is probably what I'm going to see over the quarter four period. So make sure that you put those uplifts in. Um, if you don't have any history, then look at your competitor sales. Use tools like Jungle Scout, which will show you, you know, uh, an estimate of what their sales were. And essentially build a forecast of this is my baseline, this is currently what I'm selling, and these are the types of uplifts that I'm expected to sell, and therefore, how much more extra stock am I expected to sell for these winners over this period of time, and what are the lead times involved in that? Right now, we're in September, we're recording this on the 9th, I think, of September. So chances are you might be still a little late on this process, so make sure you do it as soon as you've listened to the podcast, that you do it straight away, and really understand how much inventory you're actually going to need because like I said, if you win that inventory game over this period, then your, your profits are going to be amazing over this period of time. Yeah. And that's one thing that you need to do is basically when you, when you're backing the winners, as you say, prioritizing the best products that you have, the, the biggest sellers, um, the biggest ones that are going to cash you out and get you the most money over quarter four, you really do have to plan out your cash flow, and and this is something you know people actually start doing in July for this period because you know you got forty five days of shipping on the sea. So sometimes if you're if you're doing it this late, you're gonna have to like probably commit some of that inventory to shipping it by air. So you really have to plan your cash flow. So invest in your plan and work out your costs. So how many units do you actually need? And like you said, you can use forecasts from last year, you know, the uplift from last year saying, okay, well, you know, June through August, I got this many sales, September through October, I got this many sales. And here's how much it lifted up in, in November, December. You can expect similar ratios, especially if you've seen less com com competitors uh, or if you've seen more competitors, you can kind of fluctuate it. You can see if you're higher in your rankings, you're taking more market share, less market share. You can influence that and understand that it's going to have a, a, you know, a correlating effect on your sales. Um, but basically, you, you, you still have to manage the cash flow. How much money is that inventory going to take? How much is it going to take to ship it? How much money do you have to have to maybe relaunch some of this stuff? Because, you know, you're going to have a budget, but then you have to plan for that extra stuff that you might need to do as well. So marketing, any of that stuff. And that's why we specifically talk about working with suppliers. Negotiate your payment terms. Negotiate your cost of goods. If you can get a bigger, and this, I'll, I'll tell you exactly what I did. I went to my supplier and said, I want to get about 16,000 units of my product. I want to pay for them. In increments, though, what I want to do is I want to get the best price cost of goods you have, first of all, and they did. They've, they've actually always done that for me. And what they said was, okay, so here's what's going to happen. I'm going to pay my final balance only of the units that I ship. So I, I don't have to pay a deposit at all. So now that my units are done, say, in 30 days, I, I say, okay, I'm going to ship 6,000 units out, out of the 16,000. I'm only paying the final balance on that. So I pay 100% of those 6,000 units, basically 45, 60 days after they've started, after I you know, told them to start the stuff, and then they shipped. And then I'll pay, you know, maybe another 6,000 or 10,000 or pay for six or 10,000 more on maybe 30, 45 days later. So I'm not paying that whole thing up front. And they're quite 
cost uh, cost inexpensive products, so they're pretty cheap as far as how much the cost of goods are. So you know, I'm not sitting there having to spend you know a bunch of money up front in July for these products because this is a, a definitely a seasonal product and, and it does really well in the winter. But when they start selling, I can actually then start to reafford shipping more in. And I've, I've actually worked out some other kind of cool things like my freight forwarder has a UK inventory warehouse and US one. So instead of just shipping all my stuff to a 3PL or all my stuff to my house or all my stuff to Amazon, now I can actually kind of pick and choose, hey, you know, for $25 a month, you can store a pallet, you know, in this UK warehouse or in this US warehouse or whatever the rates are. Um, and basically, I can I can save some money, sit it there for a while, have it ready. So that way, once Amazon says ship it in, I can pay these guys to just go ahead and label them with the, with the uh, UPS or the, the Amazon box labels and ship it directly into the Amazon fulfillment centers as my inventory restriction either starts going up or my sales start draining my inventory, I can start sending that in right away. Yeah. And, um, you know, doing that kind of process, because I think a lot of people will get scared and go, well, I can't afford this inventory. Yeah, it's great. I've done this great forecast. I've built a plan, all this other stuff, but I can't afford it. But working with your supplier, it's a win-win situation, right? Because Mm -hmm. you get the product and they also get the extra orders. And um, it, you know, people will be sat there thinking, well, it's great, Isaac, that you managed to do that, but how am I going to do it? Maybe I'm a new seller. I'm not going to be able to do that. You know, how would you, how would you kind of coach someone on that to say, well, this is, this is how we would expect you to kind of work that out with your supplier in over this period of time? Yeah. The idea is you can't just go in and say, Hey, I want better payment terms. Hey, I want better costs without any sort of plan or forecast or uh, a win for them. They're not going to bend over backwards for you. You got to make it a mutually agreeable and beneficial kind of situation. So the idea here is, you know, I'd say, okay, look, last year I only sold 12,000 units of this product because I ran out of stock during the, the, the quarter four big period. And I could have sold, you know, 5,000 more if I was in stock. So then I turn around to my supplier and say, look, you might not be supplying the top sellers on Amazon, but you are supplying me who is one of the top sellers on Amazon. So if you can actually give me better payment terms, so that way I can order more inventory up front and, and, and pay it off kind of as it goes, you will actually get more sales for this period because I will have then been able to sell that, right? So say I went from $11,000 or 11,000 units last year, now I need 16,000 this year. Well, I'm increasing my order by 5,000 units. I'm just paying it out as the product is shipping as opposed to, uh, you know, right up front and then paying all of it at one time because then I couldn't do it. Like if I'm paying, well, maybe I could, but I I prefer not to, right? Like you want to stretch your cash flow because you might need to order some of your other products or, you know, you might have other things come up. You might want to launch a new product, who knows? Uh, But the idea here is that you want to manage your cash flow to give yourself a bit more liquidity during this time. So that way you're not so constrained in like September, October, because, then you're just sitting there kind of crossing your fingers that you've done enough and that you've got enough inventory come, you know, November 1st or, you know, December 1st, you start seeing everything drastically, you know, the sales drastically increasing and you've found out that, Hey, you know, now it's too late. I can't actually get that inventory this fast anymore. I'm going to run out by December 7th and miss, you know, three weeks of a good selling period. So um, that's the kind of stuff that you just have to be aware of. And if you can come to your supplier and say, Hey, look, I'm basically ordering for, you know, October through March all at one time. But I, what I need you guys to do is give me some, you know, cash flow 
relief on this and you, you know, I can I can pay you know balances or whatever or deposits as they're being shipped out and then I can pay you the balance you know 30 days later after it's shipped out or whatever you can work these things out and they call them like net 30 net 60 net 90 meaning you know basically after the product's finished sent out you know 30 days later then you would actually start paying or you know you can pay a deposit when it's shipped out 30 days later, you can pay the balance. However it works out, that gives you a little bit more time to free up some cash. And also, ideally, after maybe 30 or 60 days, you can actually get that product kind of start selling. And then you'll start making some of that money back before you even owe the remainder of the balance or ship the rest of the product out. Yeah. And that's an awesome feeling, isn't it? You're getting the, you're getting the cash back from the profit back from the product that's selling and you haven't even paid for the stock yet. Yeah, exactly. And that's the ideal position you want to be in. And this this time of year really gives you, I think it gives you the confidence to be able to do it. Um, but also it means that you'll be able to stack it all up in your bank account. And then one thing that we like to do is cash in over Christmas and then even think about, well, taking out your income for the next year from that big cash payment yeah, so that you've got full... Yeah. Yeah, so you've got full confidence in in the business for the next for the next year and ride those bumps because we know bumps happen all the time in the business. So um, that's another thing to think about and plan for within this cash flow period as well. Mm-hmm. So that's great. We've got the inventory sorted. We've got the cash sorted. So what we want to do is prepare the listings for high conversion. We love high conversion and traffic. So as I said earlier. You know, 65% of sales on Amazon are on mobile. They're probably going to be even higher over this period with the trend that we've just been talking about. So you've got to make sure that you're mobile ready. So I don't know how many people actually do this, but when you ever, you know, set up your listings, do you ever see what it looks like when, when people are shopping on mobile? And you might not think it looks totally different, but things shift around basically. So there's going to be different emphasis, 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 whatever on (laughs) (laughs) on specific parts of the listing so number one we always say this anyway but your main image is very important and it's definitely important on mobile because that's the key thing that they people see right Mm -hmm. and it's really big in your face when you're actually um scrolling on mobile so you want that to be as attractive as possible you also want to optimize your title and also your product description as well and, and your A-plus content, and I'll come on to that in a minute. But your title, essentially only 82 characters show up on a mobile. So, of course, you want to get your you know your keywords in there, but you want the key thing in 82 characters to jump out at the customer. So the, that's what they're going to see, right? They're just going to see those 82 characters, and they're going to see your image. So you want to make it as obvious as possible what this thing is and why they should use it, right, or why they should buy it in those 82 characters. So we always challenge people, especially when they first come into our coaching programs as well, to have a look at their listings, but look at it with that in mind and go, is this just gobbledygook? Do you say that in the US? Yes. Yeah, yeah. I don't know that it's technically like politically correct or anything, but yeah. Oh, okay. (laughs) I don't even know where it comes from. Is it rubbish or do I actually understand what this thing is, right? So double check that on your mobile. See where you're, see where you are listed on mobile as well, where you're ranked, right? Do people have to scroll a long time or do you only have to scroll a couple of times? That's probably where the sweet spot is for you, for you as well, right? In terms of ranking. Um, you also then want to look at your, enha- what are we calling it now? A plus content, enhanced brand content, that stuff basically. Yeah. That shows up first. So when you click into the listing, you've got your images, but then your enhanced brand content first. 
Then you've got your product description and then you've got your bullet points. So you want to make sure that number one, you've got enhanced brand content ready and waiting and it looks awesome. Then your product description, because um, if that looks like rubbish, I know a lot of people these days don't pay a lot of attention to product description, um, but make sure that that looks awesome as well. And then of course your bullet points as well. Um, But your bullet points aren't going to show until the bottom. So make sure you've got that. Then you want to make sure that you plan your sponsored ad placement on mobile, um, a lot of your ads are going to show up at the top and they're also going to show in the middle as well. Uh, so you want to look, you want to make sure that with your, when you're doing your ads, that the placement looks awesome. And then video ads as well offer better optimization, but they also get placed in the middle of the page at the moment anyway, as we're talking in September. So this doesn't have to be so um, onerous either if you're sat there thinking, well, I haven't really done video ads yet. I don't really, you know, I haven't got the money to, to do a whole video. I mean, we know people that are using SlideShare. I think you can use it on Canva. So have a look in Canva. You can just literally have images that go through like a, a looks like it's scrolling almost, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Um, with some text on the bottom just to really highlight the, the points or the, the benefits of the product. Um, and just bring it to life because basically really what you want to do is just interrupt the eye. You just want to interrupt someone in their shopping purchase so that they're drawn to your ad so that they'll click that ad over someone else. Uh, typically what we're finding is that it's a lower cost per click, but it really just does depend on your category. If people are already using video ads, because as we know, the more people use them, the more they drive up the cost. But in a lot of categories right now, when we're working with the guys at Sponsor Profit, for instance, they're reporting that a lot of categories are low cost per click. So it's something to experiment with and make sure that you've got great positioning as well. I've been using it in my business and it's working really well. So just think about that over the Christmas period and how you can really grab people's attention, uh, but also Christmasify it up a little bit, right? (laughs) As we like to say, you know? Make it obvious that this thing is great for gifts. Make it obvious that this that your products is is great for, you know, for the people that want to personally buy that product. How it's going to benefit them even more as a gift? Yeah, and a couple of things I was just thinking about while you're mentioning some of that stuff is, uh, you know, on mobile especially when somebody sees a main image that has too much stuff in it, they don't really know what the heck it's actually being sold because they don't see the whole title of maybe what's being sold. So it's also important to have a clear picture of what your, what your image is or what your product is, and then say what it is pretty quickly within that title. Because if you have, for example, we, we had a, uh, a customer who had uh, an accessory for a baby stroller and it showed the baby stroller and the accessory was just kind of on there, but it, it did not say that it was an accessory for baby stroller. It just said something and then kind of went on. And then eventually before, you know, after it was cut off on mobile, it would say that it's an accessory for a baby stroller, but people were buying it at 30 some dollars thinking it was the stroller. And they're like, wait, I, I didn't get a stroller. I got the thing that went on it. I didn't, that it didn't make it clear that that's what I was buying. So you, you really want to make sure that you, your product and your title match up and are very like clear about what they are, especially because, you know, those things are going to pop up on ads too. Like that's your, that's your ad. Your listing is your ad. So if your ad is not, or your listing isn't showing the right information, your ad's going to truncate that even more to like, you know, 20 characters or 26 characters, something like that. And they're really not going to know what it is. So let them know up front what the product is, show a good picture of the product, either, you know, on whatever it is, but like make sure that they focus on the actual product. And so that way they know what they're actually buying. Cause yeah, you don't want to get bad reviews from, you know, misleading customers. You don't want to get, 
um, a bunch of returns and, and refunds just because people didn't understand that that's what they were buying. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Especially if it's a Christmas thing and they're giving, they're doing the gift, right? It's a double whammy yep. because it's like, now I've got to buy something else. And it wasn't the thing that I thought it was going to be. Yeah, exactly. And then, you know, with that, with that, that video planning, you know, it doesn't have to be, you know, you could even use those little sketch drawing things or whatever. You could do anything you want. It could just be even using the product and just, you know, a nice little, you know, couple of transitions in like Camtasia or whatever video software that you could use. It doesn't have to be super professional. The better it looks, obviously, you know, you probably get better conversion. But right now, like you said, like it doesn't have to be the world's greatest product or a product video to get good conversion on those video placements because they're so easy just to get popped in there. And once, once people are on that page, you know, you show up maybe like four or five spots down from the top sellers and, and it's breaking up the, the rest of the thing. And, you know, some of those are really good. Like I've seen some of the, you know, when I'm shopping on mobile, I see some of those, those videos and I'm like, these, these are, I'm going to buy this one because I can clearly see that they're using it. This is exactly how I'd use it, all that kind of stuff. So I'm, I'm more inclined to buy from them than just looking at the search results that are there already. Yeah, exactly. And you know, they don't even have to click into it to get what the product's about, right? You can just watch the, watch it. You don't have to um, do anything. And so I think that's why the cost per clicks could be a lot lower as well is because if people are just watching it and then they're like, yep, I want this thing. And then they click on it. Then it's, um, it's, it's a lot more considered purchase mm-hmm. than just clicking on the ad and see, seeing what it's all about. So that's what I love about it as well. And in terms of traffic itself, another another good tip would be to, if you've got brand analytics, for instance, and I know there's other tools out there that actually pull through brand analytic data if you don't have it. But just look back at the period, the Christmas period last year and see what kind of keywords were trending over that period. Yep. And do the research now to see if they're already starting to trend. Because I would expect that people are now thinking already about shopping for Christmas, right? Um, people like me and Isaac are probably still going to do it in the last minute. But <laughs> um, but I, but me personally, I am thinking I better get in quick because um, I just know with, you know, restrictions that are going to go on, that the lead times that for me to actually physically get the product could be a lot longer. So um, some of those keywords might already be trending and you can start to ride the wave now. So really start to plan out your keyword planning, your sponsored ad um, planning and your listing planning right now as well. Understanding which winners you're going to back and making sure that you can get the inventory in. Yeah. Yeah. So a lot of great advice. And, you know, I was just going to say one last thing on the the, the videos is that you kind of want to get to the point quickly because like if you're people are scrolling. They're only going to stop for a couple seconds. If you don't get to something right away, they're going to keep scrolling. So kind of make it known like in the first couple of seconds, why they're going to want to look at the the rest of the video or even just click on that. Um, but yeah, that's, you know, these are all great pieces of advice, you know? Um, so I just kind of want to recap what we've talked about. And, and basically, firstly, we talked about the upward trends in e-commerce and spe- specifically Amazon. Obviously, Kirsty, you'll love to get that data from the internet and do your, you know, your macro and micro trends and all that stuff. So that's really good. And then we secondly, we talked about how these trends will affect us positively and negatively, negatively as Amazon private label sellers, both FBA and FBM wise now, and also how to prepare so you have the best quarter four in 2020 and then deal with those Amazon restrictions. So here's what you'd probably be going to do next from here. Number one, start to plan your inventory needs now, including your logistics, you know, at the 3PL and the FBA uh, as well. 
then plan your cash flow needs and negotiate with your supplier. So that way you can kind of extend the payments or, you know, negotiate down some of the cash flow restriction that you might have over a certain amount of time. Get your listings ready and make sure you're optimized for mobile. Super important. Uh, you know, like two years ago, I almost never shopped on mobile because I preferred the desktop version. Now I don't shop on desktop at all. So that's how quickly those trends can switch. Um, also make sure to have, you know, the, the thought in mind that Christmas might, the, the shopping season might come a little early. They still are talking about doing an Amazon Prime here in quarter four, it looks like now, maybe early October or something as well. So we really want to make sure that we're planning to optimize and get this thing going really well. Also, keep yourself in stock and make sure that you're prioritizing the best selling products, back your winners, as we say. And, you know, keep in mind, whoever wins the inventory game will win quarter four. And if you are just thinking about in terms of, you know, uh, you know, year on year growth or, you know, month on month growth or quarter on quarter growth, if you can actually manage to stay in stock for the entire quarter four, I would almost guarantee you <laughs> that you will have grown from last year and last quarter because this will be a very, very big season. And, you know, you're going to it just by being in stock and being ranked well, uh, I should say, if you're, you're in stock and, and nobody knows that you're there, like you're not visible. Uh, you're not on page one or any doing no ads or whatever, you're not going to get anything. But if you can stay in stock and you're actually visible, you're going to get those sales. You're going to chew up your competition. You're going to have massive growth from last year. And, and you're going to be super excited come January and February when you can actually take a trip, you know, next summer or whatever, book it in January for the Bahamas in June or whatever. But yeah. So remember guys, now that you're armed with this information, it's your job to implement it into your business and grow your business through action. Also, to get some absolutely free training on what it takes to have a successful business to fill your lifestyle, head to www.goteamreal.com to download our free training today. And guys, we'll see you next week for the next Sprint to Profit episode. And as always, we wish you the best for you and your business. Bye for now. Don't forget to subscribe. And if you would like to get more information about selling on Amazon, head to goteamreal.com for some absolutely free training.